Pastor Josh. Who loves Pastor Josh? Such an awesome youth pastor. Well, thank you guys so much for having me over the last little while. Um, I've had so much fun just getting to know you guys and sharing with your church and stuff like that. Um, And I've loved Port Lincoln. How good is Port Lincoln? You proud to be a Port Lincoln homegrown uh, believer in Port Lincoln? I don't know what that means, but if you're proud to be a Port Lincolnite, however you would say that, you can say amen. Amen, amen, awesome. Port Lincoln is awesome. Tonight I have a message that I want to uh, finish off the conference with called Toilet Tales. Toilet Tales. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, Toilet Tales. Toilet Tales. Toilet Tales. Uh, We're going to have a bit of fun here tonight and I believe that God's going to speak to us. Um, We're reading about a guy called Ehud in the Bible uh, from Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Judges chapter 3 and verse 15 with me. It says this, But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Gerah, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. He brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. After delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. But when Ehud reached Eglon, uh, reached those stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back. He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you, king. So the king commanded his servants to be quiet, and he sent them out of the room. Ehud then walked over to King Eglon. I have a message for you, from God for you. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it right into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So then Ehud closed and locked the doors, of the room and escaped down the toilet. Okay, so we're looking at an embarrassing toilet story in the Bible tonight. I want us to just bow our heads and close our eyes and pray before we get into the Word. God, I just pray uh, as we come before you tonight, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for this incredible youth ministry, this incredible church, God. I thank you for this conference. I thank you that you've been moving. You've been speaking to hearts. You've been growing people. I thank you, God, that from this conference, young people would leave this place and leaders would leave this place never being the same again. God, I thank you that the change that you've done in our hearts and lives this weekend would go on uh, for our future in you, God. And I pray tonight, as we look at this word, toilet tales, I pray that you would speak to us about our future. I pray that you would speak to us about what you've called each one of us to do. And God, I pray that you would empower us to go out and go after that. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen, amen. Awesome. So we're looking at this embarrassing toilet story in the Bible. I'm going to explain a bit more about that in a second. But I thought before I get into that embarrassing toilet story, I have to tell you one of my embarrassing toilet stories. Does anyone want to hear an embarrassing toilet story? Uh, Yeah. So I was... um, 
at uni. I went and studied at uni in Adelaide. And so I was at uni one day and I'm like getting hungry and I'm like, oh, I really feel like a burger. There's lots of good burger bars in Adelaide. Probably not as good as Mariah's burgers, but they come close. And so I, I felt like a burger. I'm like, I really feel like a burger for lunch. So I went to this brand new burger bar in the city. It was a number of years ago now. I'm like, cool, I'm going to go to this new burger bar. It looks really cool. Uh, I'm going to have a burger and then I'll come back to study. So I got into this burger place. I went and I ordered my burger. I'm like, yeah, I'll have one of them and blah, blah, blah. And I needed to go to the bathroom. So I was like, okay, while I'm waiting for my burger to be cooked, I'm just going to quickly go to the bathroom, come back and have my burger. So I went to this bathroom and because it was just a brand new sort of burger place, they hadn't really set up the bathrooms quite right yet. So this bathroom was just like one massive bathroom right in the middle of the store and it had this big door and it was just a unisex bathroom. Guys, girls could go and it just had this one massive door that opened up to the whole shop. And so I was like, okay, cool, I'll go to this bathroom. And so I went and I shut the door and I went to the toilet and about 10 seconds later, I'm sitting on the, on the toilet and I just hear the door fling wide open and this lady is standing there and she's like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know when you're just really awkward and you have like an awkward reaction, you're like, what do I do? So I was like, hi. <laughs> I'm just like waving to her from the toilet. I'm like, hi. And she's like, hi. <laughs> I'm like, um, she's still got the, the toilet door wide open. So everyone in the shop is like watching me sitting there on the toilet. And so I was like, oh, what do I do? And she's like, uh, I'm really sorry. I'm like, no, that's okay. I was like, um, do you mind shutting the door? And she's like, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, okay. So she shuts the toilet door. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am going to have to do the walk of shame when I go back to get my burger. People are going to be like, oh, look, there's the toilet girl that we saw on the toilet. And I'm going to have to get my burger. So I went back out and I'm like, okay, cool doing the walk of shame. I go and I get my burger. I was like, can I just get that to take away, please? The other like, yeah, sure. So I go and I eat my burger back at uni. That's my embarrassing toilet story. I don't know if you've got an embarrassing toilet story. Maybe you have one worse than me. I'd love to share them with you after. Um, but there's an embarrassing toilet story in the Bible. There's, there's this story about this guy called Ehud. He's uh, a left-handed man. The Bible says that he was a left-handed man. And that's important in this story because, uh, because he was left-handed in this time, he would have been looked down upon. He would have been seen as someone who was limited. He wasn't right-handed. The right-handed warriors could do more than the left-handed ones could. And so he was limited. He was someone who might be seen as a little bit disabled. He had some disfigurement because he was left-handed. And so he was looked down upon. He was someone who was limited. He was someone who was overlooked in the eyes of the world who people would have thought, hey, you're not very special. You couldn't really do anything great. And so Ehud was with, with this guy. The Bible says that God had called Ehud to rise up and deliver Israel from the hands of this bad king. So this bad king's name was King Eglon. And the Bible makes a point to say that he was very fat. All right. He was very fat. This king was so fat that his blood type was Nutella. Like he's so fat. He's just sitting there. He had this special room made uh, so it could, and this special bed so that he could just sit there, roll around on his fat. I'm sure he, if he was alive today, he'd probably be eating like buckets of chicken for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, sitting there munching away on his KFC. You guys have KFC here, right? Yeah. Yeah. KFC. Yeah. Woo. All right. So I'm not that big a KFC fan. I don't know why I did that. But um, so, so he's like this fat so, this big fat king. And at the same time as being fat, he was also oppressing the Israelites. They were living 
this life that was so limited. They were living oppressed by this horrible king who would make them live these limited lives. And so God raised up a deliverer named Ehud. Ehud was a guy who was overlooked. He was a guy who was left-handed. One day he went to take a tribute to the king. Uh, This wasn't like a Hunger Games tribute, if you know anything about that. He had to take a tribute, which is basically like a payment to the king. And so he went to the king and he's taking the tribute on behalf of his people and he goes up to the king and he thought, hey, I'm going to take my dagger and I'm going to kill this king today because I believe that God has given this king into our hands. I believe that we can defeat him. I believe that God's called us to be victorious people. We're the people of God. We shouldn't be oppressed by this king. So he takes his little dagger and he puts it in his right thigh in, in, in a sling not like just stabs it into his right thigh that would be horrible like yeah so he puts it in his little sling and he puts it there and and as he goes up to the people who are guarding the king they look on his left side because all the right-handed warriors right would have their dagger on their right side so they check his his left thigh and they look for the dagger and they say okay there's no dagger here he's going to be all right he's you know got no weapons on him they hadn't checked his right thigh because they didn't know that he was left-handed and so they say yeah sure you can go through to the king So Ehud goes through to the king. The king's like sitting there in all of his fat glory and he's like, hello. And he's like, takes him like five minutes to roll over his fat and get so he can see him. And so he's like looking at him. And so Ehud's like, oh, hi, king. I've got a message from God for you. And the king's like, you got a message from God for me? Okay, cool. Servants get out. And so the servants get out. And so Ehud uh, is standing there and all of a sudden he looks into the eyes of the king and he says, King, here's the message from God for you. And he pulls the dagger out of his right side. The Bible says he plunges it straight into this king's fat, right into his fat, so much that the Bible actually says the fat rolls over the dagger and the dagger just goes into his fat. And this guy, it's the Bible says as well that all of his bowels open. So it's like this disgusting scene of, of just like feces and gross. And so he's just stabbed him and he runs out and he locks the door. He runs down. He tells all his people, hey, God has delivered these Midianites into our hands. Let's go. Or the Moabites, whoever it was. I can't remember who the uh, oppressors were at the time. But he goes and he says, we can defeat these people. God has given the, us at them into our hands. And so that day, I think 10,000 people died and they rose victorious over these people who had oppressed them for so long. The people of God were free uh, by the hand of Ehud. God did something with Ehud. God did something special with Ehud. Because Ehud was left-handed, he could do what nobody else could do in that situation. Because he was left-handed, they didn't check his right thigh for the dagger. And what the world saw as a limitation and what the world saw as something less than significant, God had actually tailor-made and tailor-designed for his destiny to be fulfilled. I want to tell you today that this story of Ehud can tell us that no matter where we come from, no matter where we've been, no matter what talents or gifts or abilities we have, every single one of us, whether we've been overlooked or whether we've not been overlooked, every single one of us has been tailor-made and designed by God to fulfill a special destiny and a special purpose here on this earth. God has a great call for your life and he's made a unique destiny for you. We're called to be originals. We're called to be radically different. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. 
God wants you to see past your limitations and fulfill the unique calling that he has for you. You know, Ehud could have stood there and gone, hey, you know what, I'm not much of a warrior. I'm just left-handed. I'm never really going to do anything great for God. He could have kicked back and done something else. But he said, no, I don't mind if I have this limitation. I'm going to go and I'm going to do everything that I can for God because I believe that God has called me to do something great for him. And because he did that, all of his people were set free as well. I believe that when you rise up in the calling that God has for you and you say, God, it doesn't matter what limitations I might think I have. I'm going to rise up in the calling that you have for me. I believe that so many lives are going to be impacted through your life and through your calling and through what God has for you to do. See past your limitations and fulfill the unique calling that God has for you. Now, I don't know about you, um, but I love Disney movies. Anybody else love a bit of Disney? Yes, yes. Uh, so I grew up in the 90s. I, bought, I was born in 89. So my favourite Disney movie of all time, I think, is the king of Disney movies. It is The Lion King. You know. But yeah, I was trying to think, oh, we're oh, we're I don't know. I don't know if that's a Lion King song. What's it? Ah, Tibanya, Vavarichi, You know. So, <laughs> um, so The Lion King is my absolute favourite um, Disney movie of all time. If you look at the Disney movie, The Lion King, you see that Simba was born with a great destiny, right? He was born to be the king and he knew it. Like he was like embracing it. He's like, I'm going to be the king. This is so sick. He had his little girlfriend Nala with him and, you know, he's singing that song when he's got his flower crown on and he's like, I just can't wait to be king. He's like, sucks to be all you other losers who aren't going to be king, you know, and he's like, woohoo, like living the life, loving it. And then one day what happens is his uncle Scar convinces him to go up onto the top of the mountain and we see he goes up onto the top of the mountain and he uh, has his dad there with him and all of a sudden he, he lets go of his dad and his dad falls to his horrible death on the ground. We don't see that because it's a kid's movie. We don't see the dying of the lion but we just see him dead on the ground later on. And his uncle Scar tells him this lie and he says, Simba, you've done something so bad and so wrong you better get as far away from this place as you can possibly get and you better run and never come back because everybody is going to be so disappointed in you. Everybody is going to hate you for what you've done. And he says, Simba, you just run away and never, ever, ever come back. Then we see Simba, he's out in the middle of the jungle. He finds these two friends. He's got, you know, the little rat and the little pig thing, you know, like Timon and Pumbaa. And they're like, woo, means no worries for the rest of your days. It's a problem-free philosophy, Akuna. This is like sing-alongs with Layla tonight, isn't it? Um, Akuna Matata. And so they're living it up in the jungle. They're living the high life. Actually, it's the low life. He's there eating bugs with these friends in the middle of the jungle, it's not the greatest life, with a pig and a rat, and he's there eating, eating bugs for life, uh, having this life that's so limited, that's nowhere near the life that he was called to live to be king. He's st standing in this jungle, he's in this jungle uh, for a long time, and then one day when he's grown up, his little girlfriend from before, Nala, comes to him, and she finds him in the middle of the jungle, and she's like, Simba, what are you doing out here? And he's like, what do you mean, what am I doing out here? This is my home. This is where I was born to be. I love it out here. I love eating bugs. I love my pig and my rat friend. And I'm loving, I know it's not a rat. I know it's like, what is it? A meerkat. Yeah, okay. 
And it's not a pig, is it? It's a warthog, like the one on my wall that I, makes me not be able to sleep at night. There's like it's a, a pumba right in my room. Um, so, so, yeah, fantastic, awesome. Yesterday when I got here, like the first t- time that I saw them, um, Josh goes up and he like takes the tongue out of the warthog thing and he's like, oh, I think the tongue fell off. I'm like, oh, oh, like nearly vomiting on the ground. Um, so anyway, there's, this, there's this, this encounter that he has with Nala again. And Nala comes to him and she's like, what are you doing out here? And he's like, what do you mean what am I doing out here? I, people don't want me to go back. People don't want me out uh, where I was born. People don't want me to be king. And she's like, what do you mean? Scar is the worst king ever. Scar is oppressing our people. Scar has made it so that we don't have any food. We don't have any water. Everybody is starving. Nobody has a good life. And you were actually born to be king. Everybody needs you to rise up and be who you were called to be. And he goes, no, I, I don't. I can't be that person. And she's like, we need you to. You were born to do this. You were born to be this. And so she convinces him to go back and be the king again and he sort of restores hope to the people and gets rid of Scar. This story, it sort of reminded me of what the enemy tries to do in our lives. See, we can be born of God and born again and that means that we get saved and and we find Jesus and we give our hearts to him and we have this new life in Jesus. We start this new life and we're all excited and God gives us these dreams for our future and we're like, awesome, I can't wait to do this with my life. I can't wait to do that with my life. God's going to do something awesome in and through me and then maybe through circumstances something happens to you. Maybe, you know, somebody does something to you that comes against you and maybe you have no control over it or maybe you go out and you do something wrong and and then you have to suffer the consequences of those actions and you're like oh my gosh what have I done and and instead of coming back to God and going no I know that God's got this great calling for my life I know that God's you know got a great future for me instead of doing that we listen to the lies of the enemy the enemy comes to you and he whispers in your ear and he says what have you done what have you done you could never be that king that you were born to be. You could never be that person that you were born to be. You could never do that now. How could you ever do that now that you've done this thing? Or how could you ever do that now that someone's done this to you and, and now you carry all this guilt and this shame? How could you ever be that person? You better run far, far, far away. You better go hide in a jungle of shame, of bitterness, of pain. You better go hide in the jungle and never come back. And so we go and we listen to these lies that the enemy tells us. We go, yeah, hey, maybe I can't do that anymore. Maybe I can't be that person. Who am I to think that I could do that? Who am I to think that I could be that kind of person after what I've done or after what's been done to me and so we run into this jungle and we sit bound in this jungle of shame or bound in this jungle of pain or bound in this jungle of insecurity but I want to tell you young person tonight that you don't have to live in that jungle of shame you don't have to live in that jungle of limitation in that jungle of fear of that jungle of pain you don't have to live in that jungle anymore because God wants you to set God wants to set you free from the lies of the enemy and he wants you to be every that he has called you to be. I want to encourage you tonight to be everything that God has called you to be and to pursue the plans that he has for you. No matter what has happened to you, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, pursue God and the plans that he has for you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12 says this, so don't you see that we don't owe this do-it-yourself life one red cent. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. 
There are things to do and places to go. This new resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know where we are going and then we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we certainly are going to go through the good times with him as well. Maybe if um, Sam could come and play just as we wrap this up. Simba lost his way when he lost his father. We see that when he lost his father, everything sort of turned around for him. When he lost his father, he lost that voice of truth. He lost that security. He lost that hope in his life. He lost that one who could speak into his destiny and shape his identity. He lost that. And because he lost that, he ended up listening to the lies of the enemy and going down this wrong path and being trapped in this jungle. In the same way, I believe that when we lose our connection with our Heavenly Father, for whatever reason in life, when we lose sight of our Heavenly Father and we lose that close connection with our Heavenly Father, then the enemy can come and he can speak into our identity, identity and he can speak lies into us and he can take us down a different path. But I believe that God wants to connect us with our Heavenly Father so that we can find what we were always born to do. I believe that when God connects us with our Heavenly Father, then He speaks into our identity like nobody else can. We find who we were always made to be. Now, I don't know what um, has happened in your life. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what your natural father looks like or what your natural father is to you, what he's done to you, what he, um, who he is. But I know that there are all sorts of fathers in our world. I know that there are good fathers and that there are bad fathers. I had a really good father, but I have friends who had really bad fathers, fathers who walked out on them, fathers who abused them. And, and so I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what your picture of a father looks like. But tonight I want to tell you that no matter what your earthly father looks like, you have a father in heaven who loves you, who adores you, who's so proud of you and who wants to connect with you and love you and show his love to you. And I want to encourage you tonight, maybe your relationship with your earthly father has caused you to see your heavenly father in a really distorted light. Maybe it's caused you to back away from him and say, I don't want much to do with this father because everything that my father has done to me has only hurt me or has only taken me away from where I want to be. I want to encourage you tonight. Your heavenly father wants to connect with you and he wants to shape your identity. He wants to speak into who you are. He wants to show you who you were always born to be. And I believe that if you can just reach out and touch him, he's going to reach out and touch you and show you everything that he wants you to be and everything that he has for you. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes tonight? In this place, there could be people from all sorts of backgrounds. You might be in this place and, and you say, Layla, you know, I've had a, a rough sort of upbringing. I've had a rough background. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Jesus came not only to die for our sins, but he also came to reconnect us with the Father in heaven. 
He came to make a way for that relationship to be restored. He came to make a way so that we could be connected with our Father in heaven and find who we were always born to be. And so if you're in this place tonight and you haven't given your life to Jesus, you haven't made him your Lord and Saviour, I would love to talk to you right now. We're going to pray together in a moment, but I want to spend this time and just chat with you for one moment. You know, you might be in this place and you haven't heard the gospel before. The gospel is basically this, that Jesus sacrificed his life. He died on a cross for us to make a way to save us from our sins and reconnect us with a heavenly father and give us eternal life in Jesus. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. And I'm sure if you were to tell me the truth, I'm sure you'd go, yeah, I'm not perfect either. I've done the wrong thing. I've messed up before. Nobody's perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He says, if you come to me, I'm going to give you my perfection, my perfect gift, Jesus, my sacrifice for you so that you can be connected with me again and you can feel my love and feel my peace and and experience my eternal life. If you're in this place tonight and you say, Layla, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never invited him in. I've never accepted that sacrifice so that I could be back in relationship with a God who loves me and who cares about me. Layla, if I was to die tonight, I don't know whether I'd go to heaven or to hell. Then I want to ask you tonight whether you would consider inviting Jesus into your life to make him your Lord and Saviour. It's the best decision you'll ever make, greatest decision I ever made, and it's an opportunity that's before you tonight. While nobody's looking around as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're in this place tonight and you'd say, Layla, I've never given my life to Jesus before, but tonight I want to. I want to be in a relationship with God. I want to start a journey with God. Then I'd love to give you the opportunity to respond to that. Or maybe you're in this place and and you're a bit like Simba. Maybe you once had a relationship with God and things were going well for you, but you walked away, something happened, you did something, or maybe you messed up somewhere or someone did something to you. And, and so you felt like you couldn't have everything that God had for you anymore. And so you, you've been living in this jungle of regret or you've been living in this jungle of shame or living in this jungle of pain or bitterness or insecurity. And you say, Layla, I don't want to live in the jungle anymore. I want to come back into this relationship with God where I know my future in Him and where I can pursue you the great plans that he has for me if you're in this place tonight and you've maybe walked away from God or maybe you've never had a relationship with God and you want to respond tonight you want us to pray for you you want to pray this prayer to invite Jesus into your life and I'm going to invite you on the count of three to just lift up your hand and I want to pray for you one two three awesome 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 anybody else in this place the best decision you could ever make to invite Jesus into your life. Fantastic. Awesome. We're going to pray with these people who have responded tonight. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus. Awesome. Everyone in the room repeating this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, tonight I ask you to come into my life, to wash away my sin and to help me to live for you. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I make you the saviour of my life, the Lord of my heart, and I choose to follow you. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I ask you to fill me with your spirit and to connect me 
with my heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.